0: How much of our daily routine can generate spiritual merit? This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another episode of Tachlis Talks, partial-related, growth-oriented Torah podcasts. And we know we've taken a little break. Appreciate everybody who was concerned. Uh, we were uh, out of production mode for two weeks, overlapping the uh, Sukkot, Sukkot holiday, and back up and running as we start the new book of Voracious, Bereshit, Bereshit Genesis, the first of the five books of the Torah. And in this coming Parsha of Horatius, there are two people I'd like to focus on, one who is a name that is very well known to us, the other probably quite a bit less known, and a lot more mysterious. And I'd like to draw a lesson from each of these as to just how great our human potential is and how broad the opportunities of exercising that potential and even the spiritual potential. To what do I refer? So the two people are going to be, number one, Adam, or Adam, I think a name that we've all heard. The second will be Chanukh, or Inach, somebody who, even if we have heard the name, we probably can't articulate just too much about him. So let's start with Adam. I want to look at two elements related to Adam's name and the lessons we can call from the greatness that we all have that's evident in the name given to Adam. Adam, Adam, Man, Mankind, Man with a capital M, in terms of the fact that all of humanity stems from Adam. The name Adam is described to us in the Torah as being rooted in the concept of the Adamah. Since man was taken from the earth, he's an earthly being, we are not angels, we're not heavenly, we are earthbound, and the Adamah is the source word from which the word Adam is developed. Commentaries ask, Maharal of Prague particularly, wait a minute, Adama, earthly, built from the earth, that's not just humanity. What about all of the animal world? We're not the first being who is described in the Torah as being associated with the earth. And why, in fact, is Adam, Adam, not the name for all of the world of the Animal beings that share this element of the earthly side. What differentiates us, in fact, from the animal is our heavenly soul. Why are we not instead called the Neshama? So, what is the message in the word Adama, Adam, Adam, in that earth connection that is unique to mankind? The Mara explains that what's the message in being Adama, in, in being associated with the earth? Adama is a place of potential. Seeds are planted, and they sprout, and they grow, and they produce, and they yield all types of crops. And in telling man, in telling us that you are created from the Adama and you are associated with the Adama, God is telling us you are people of incredible potential. And it's open-ended, and it's unlimited, because... The earth, okay, you don't see much there, even when you put the sea in the ground, and yet you could develop anything from grasses to vegetation to trees to the most stunning of plants and flowers and all types of produce and food that can be produced out of that very basic clod of earth. So you, Adam, recognize this fact, recognize that you are... As the earth is is a nurturing environment that allows all types of productivity to develop from therein, that is who you are. You are somebody that can nurture all types of growth and and performance and excellence. There's another message in this name, Adam, being associated with Adama, and that is the fact that the word Adama, the four letters Adama, as we read, referring to the earth, with a very slight change of enunciation. That becomes Adameh. Adameh is I make myself like, and man is the one who can make himself like God. I perceive the fact that I have a divine creator, and I can mimic that divine creator. I can become a God-like personality. In doing godly endeavors and godly activities, I become godlike. I am Adama. I make myself similar. And despite the fact that I am Adama, that I am rooted down here on Earth, despite the fact that I am so physically limited and constrained, and to a degree because of the fact that I recognize the fact that I have an Adama component, an earthly component, I aspire to that greatness I aspire to break out of the limitations of physicality and material and even body and accomplish all types of spiritual eternal outcomes. the adam Adame adama messages can help us begin to recognize that much as we we, we kind of view ourselves as limited and and, and despite our often very inflated egos, we tend to recognize that we, oh, end of the day, have so many things that, that seem to control my, my time, my space, my destiny, things that get in the way of my growth. And just, you know, how much can I really expect to ever change or grow or be, be, be big and great? Well, there really is no limit. We are beings that can continue to nurture and nurture and develop, and having in mind that the goal is a sense of Adamev, mimicking our Creator and being godly beings, and that, as we'll see shortly in a moment, there's a very broad pool of opportunities, of expressions of that godliness, so then we should be able to kind of motivate ourselves to break out of the earthly restrictions and seek the greatness that is really accessible to all of us. To help better understand this, let's look at the second personality we want to address, and that is chanoch, or inach. Chanoch is one of the people listed toward the very end of the parsha, when there's a long chain of the generations from Adam to Noah, the ten generations. And chanoch is described as living a rather short life, in a very relative sense. Um, unlike those who are living in the, uh, the seven-, eight-, nine-hundred-year ranges... Uh, As Ramban and others addressed, Nachmanides and others described the fact that humanity was at a point of physical perfection in a physically perfect world, in a world without pollutants, in a world where all of the vegetation was with its perfect nutrients, where the land was in its ultimate fertility, and there was nothing competing with uh, basically physical health and excellence, so naturally man lived very long lifespans. The interruption to that rule in this chain was Chanoch, who lived a mere 365 years. Now again, at other points we can discuss more about these issues of these ages and what they represent, but in a basic, simple understanding of the text, we're being taught that despite the fact that man had the capacity to live significantly longer than that, and that many people were living far more than double that and close to triple that, Chanoch dies at what is therefore a relatively early age. But his death is described in an unusual manner. It's described that, and he was no more, God basically plucked him out of the world. And the commentaries describe the fact that Chanoch, due to a certain righteousness, was being protected by God and plucked out of the world prior to the corruption of the generation leading to the need for the flood, that that should not in any way taint his perfection. What was the perfection? What made Hanokh this tzaddik, this righteous individual? So the terminology used in the Medrash is something which many understand to have deep Kabbalistic messages, uh, but it relates to the fact that he was a tailor and that each of his stitches was somehow accomplishing some type of a very powerful spiritual effect. And the deeper Kabbalistic understandings of that are far beyond me, so I can't therefore address them, but commentary explainer explained by Desler in his work, Mihtad uh who is one of those who articulates the fact that we're being taught that somehow in his trade as a, I think I said tailor, actually I should have said cobbler, in his trade as a cobbler, each stitch that he stitched to secure the, the shoe, to develop the shoe into a usable product was done with such focus on the customer. Now, these were not shoes that he was giving out as charity. He was, this was his trade. He was a cobbler, and he was being paid for his wares. He was being paid for his uh, fixing of that shoe. But, it was done with such a focus on the customer, such a care and concern that I not in any way be cheating the customer, such a care and concern that the customer have a comfortable product, such a care and concern that the customer have the best possible product that I can produce under the current circumstances, that became a godly activity, because each stitch was an act of giving, giving is the ultimate expression of being God-like. God has no need to take. All that he does is give and provide to us. And if we can look out constantly for the other, if we're constantly looking outside of our own personal needs and not forfeiting our personal needs, it's not saying, don't bother paying me, I'm not going to bring home food for my family for dinner, but we are looking beyond our personal needs and saying, okay, as I do this task, how can I at the same time be Giving to the other, focused on the other, caring about the other, be godly in our mundane activities, those activities become spiritual activities. And if he was stitching several dozen or scores or hundreds of stitches a day, and each of those stitches was a godlike act, what a powerful, spiritual, cumulative effect of all those activities each and every day of his career. We're not talking about time spent in the synagogue or meditating or Torah study. All all those are of infinite, very powerful uh, spiritual elevation. We're talking over here, though, about what is otherwise seen as a very mundane and basic activity. And yet, that translates into great spiritual power as well. Because our change of focus, our looking out toward the other, can change such a basic routine act into a godly endeavor. As we always try to pull together a tactless message, a real take home that we can apply to ourselves throughout our daily experience, there's so many things we're doing for others, and can we only try to translate into those activities a little sense, a little more of a sense of giving? And, and many are acts of giving anyway, whether it's picking up something in the store on the way home that your spouse asks you to do, or making dinner, or bringing over a cup of coffee for a parent or uh, any basic elements around the house to see to it that it's more neat for the other people with whom I share my life and they have a more comfortable environment within my workspace. Uh, the degree to which I talk more quietly so as not to disturb a neighbor in the next cubicle or am more um, dedicated to the, the, the job or dedicated to the business Uh, each act that's done, again, for the other, for my employer's sake, I'm trying to see that I'm the most honest in doing the tasks that he wants done uh, in a timely manner for my customer. I'm trying to see to it that the production, whether we're talking anything, it could be a craft, it could be graphics, it could be a computer program, but I'm designing this for my customers' needs with them in mind. How can I be more giving, more caring, more uh, focused on their needs and being perfect for what they are looking for that can turn the myriad of activities that we are doing anyway into very powerful spiritual productions. Adama. adame We may be earthly, but earth is a place of nurturing. And we ultimately have the capacity to be aspiring, to be God-like personalities. And we can do it through the myriad of activities we are doing throughout our daily routines anyway. What incredible opportunities God has given us to be connecting to him to be associating ourselves with his traits and becoming those godly personalities so taking those messages to heart let's look as we open this new book of Berechith and our focus on mankind and our focus on ourselves and take advantage of those opportunities to plug in a little more a little more focus be a little more attentive a little more conscious of the other in our life, and be a little more giving, and in so doing, be a little more godly, and in continuing to do that over and over and over again, and, and broader, broader opportunities, we will certainly be much more likely to be able to say that we are aspiring to achieve our task list.